Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. What's going on, y'all? It's Johnny King, and I'm here with my man, Dominic McCarthy. What's up, man? How are you? You're getting a little drink. As I'm a saying, little sip. Right? What's yeah. up, buddy? Yeah. Doing good? Doing good? Busy day? Busy day. Yeah? Pull, there you go. Pull that microphone. That's perfect. That sound better? Yeah. Okay. We're just hanging out. Hanging out. Uh, I met Dominic um, on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, we met through... Meeting men, we met through. Yeah, meet up. Okay. I ended up uh, showing up at one of your uh, events That's right. and really enjoyed it, man. Sitting down and chatting it out. And then yeah, yeah. As I've heard more and more of his story, I'm like, holy shit. Uh, I'd like to have you sit down and just talk about it because there's so many guys, and women for that matter, but in this regard, so many guys that I talked to that have gone through just like debilitating anxiety, fear, yeah. uh, trauma. That that and your story is one of the severest cases, in my humble opinion. Yeah, you've been through to to sit down next to you. That's the hardest, or the I guess the most fascinating part is why I wanted to have you on. Is like I sit down next to you, I'm like really, I can't imagine that you went through that. But then I've met people who are like, I can't imagine that you were that way. I was like, I know, but once yeah. you get through it and you're expressing like dominion over it, it's like right, it's no big deal. Maybe right. If yeah. Still deal, deal with anxiety. I'm sure I do too, but. It's pretty cool. So if you don't mind, tell just tell a little bit more about uh, just your 30-second uh, backstory to where you grew up and family and what, what okay. how, your, how were your, your upbringing with your parents? Because I think a lot of times that has obviously a huge impact. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that played a little part. So uh, I'm a Minnesota boy through and through, yeah. you know, kind of homegrown, even though I grew up in the city. Um you know, mom and dad weren't around much growing up. Mm-hmm. Grew up with grandma and grandpa. Actually, a couple of different sets of grandparents. And uh, I don't know if I can fit this one in 30 seconds, but... No, you're good. I was uh, saying that so you yeah. 30 minutes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> if I say 45 seconds, then it's 45 minutes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, where do I even start? Where in Minnesota, though? Uh, St. Paul. St. Paul. Yep. I think we talked about that because my dad's side of the family is from Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah, nice. A big, big part of my family is from there and we're raised up there and it's beautiful nice three yeah three months of the, yeah yeah the, year that it's the summers <laughs> I, I i don't know what it is man like there's part of me that loves the the bone chilling cold for whatever reason yeah, yeah. this is probably mild here in this Colorado. is so mild yeah yeah, yeah. same with me t-shirt it's, weather st louis yeah exactly yeah. so um yeah let's go back to when things started to hit the fan a little bit okay you. okay for before kids, because you got two little ones, you said. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Twelve and thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Not so little. Getting getting big, man. It's weird. <laughs> it's hard to teenagers. Yeah. Like, it's hard to even recognize. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. My nieces and my nephews are hitting the same thing. Thirteen, fifteen, and it was literally just for Christmas with them, and and my, my nephew's voice is starting to drop. I'm like, what the right. My son's taller than me. Voice is deeper than mine. Is that right? He's got a cheesy little mustache and like yeah. some sideburns. Yeah. yeah. And they love it. They like, love the <laughs> Oh, yeah. Up, you know? Yeah. Three three little hairs on his chin. Yeah. 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 So mature. <laughs> so before that, though. Yeah. Um, what what did life look like? You maybe even before, I mean, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I just bring it back, man, yeah. So, like, uh, kind of the very beginning, and I've actually told this story uh, over the last five years after I walked away from my construction company. I bet you I've spoke in front of close to 10,000 people and shared my story. and It's nuts, man. That was one piece that was really difficult for me, public speaking. Anyways, growing up in St. Paul, uh, mom and dad weren't around much. Actually, shortly after being born, um, my mom was put into a mental institution. Mm -hmm. And uh, not because she's crazy. She's actually very intelligent, but she had a very, very difficult upbringing. Mm. And uh, it was real hard on her and just went through some very, very deep, dark moments. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can imagine a child being around that that type of mentality, you know, with a parent. And then my dad being in and out of jail my whole life. I think he was in jail when I was born. Mm -hmm. And then being in and out of my life every three to five years, you know, I'd see him. Hey, you know, it's super exciting, right? Get to see your dad like everybody. It was this big deal. And uh, kind of bounced around a lot. In, again, in and out of grandma and grandpa's. I knew for, you know, grandma and grandpa were always wonderful to me, even though they weren't real great to my mom. My mom and dad, when they got together, were horrible to each other, but were always really nice to me. You know, whenever we spent our time together, it was always great. Um, I think a lot of that played a big part for sure. Uh, but I would say, you know, as the years carried on and, you know, we, we I bet you we moved with my with my mom, anyways, I which I moved every two months, every three months really? growing up. Yeah. Jeez. So not a whole lot of stability. Not a whole lot, no. And I know that, uh, you know, as far as food goes and things like that, I knew that I would have a meal when I was with grandma and grandpa. But outside of that, the fridge was usually pretty empty. Yeah. So it was just dealing with a lot of stuff that, as a kid, you don't know. Right. It's like, oh, this is life. You know, I was happy playing in the dirt and happy. Yeah. You know, kids kids can play with a box or with a, you know, one He-Man action figure or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, kids are just happy. So, I was happy. I didn't know food wasn't even an afterthought. I you just never had it. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, then I ended up, my, grandpa- my first set of grandparents passed away. My mom had been married a few different times. So, again, bouncing around a lot and uh, ended up growing up, living in friends' houses and that's another place I knew I could get food or, you know, I knew uh, it maybe felt a little more safe. And um, I, can't, I don't know how deep you want me to get as far as like things that went on in high school, but I can tell you any guy or any gal that has dealt with anxiety throughout their life, I'm 38 now, almost 40, you know, pushing that age. People didn't really understand anxiety back then, right, in the school. So you meet with a guidance counselor, you meet with the teachers or whatever, and they would just say, oh, you know, you're, you're fine. And I'd say, oh, you, you couldn't explain it as a kid, right? I have a stomach ache, or I don't feel quite right. In my elementary school, there was a, uh, a guidance counselor. Her name was Miss Gannon. And I ended up having to go to Miss Gannon after spending every day in the nurse's office. And finally, after a year with Miss Gannon, uh, she said, Dom, if you are going to keep coming to my office, she said, you, she said, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. You need to be with all the other kids in the class, in the lunchroom, whatever. And I said, I know I want to be fine too, but I don't feel good. And she said, well, if you're going to stay here, you need to eat your lunch under the table. And I used to sit in the corner of the room for three years. I sat in Miss Gannon's room and she would make me eat my lunch under the table. And uh, I never thought much of it. I just thought that's very strange, right? But as an adult, that's very not a very nice thing to do to a kid. Yeah, reflecting back, what do you think her intention was? She was, I think it was, she was frustrated, right? And again, it wasn't an understood thing, right? I would go to the nurse's office and I would have a stomach ache or I would feel like my sides were caving in or I'd feel like I couldn't get a full breath or like 
that lump in your throat or the sweaty hands or all the anxiety, right? Anybody that's dealt with anxiety has felt those things mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, fast forward a few years, and I think also people with anxiety generally will have or seasons where you go in and out, right? Super anxious, maybe not so anxious, maybe where life's a little more smooth. Maybe things at home were a little better during those times and in, in the times where, say, my mom stayed married for a while and we had a little bit of a steady home and food and things like that. But uh, had to grow up quick, grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of fighting, a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, learned how to fight, learned how to run. Um, I've never been a real big guy, so you just got to – you learn how to deal with what yeah. you have and yeah. learn how to use my language properly. That got me in and out of a lot of situations. Um, what do you feel like, if you don't want me interrupting you, what do you feel like was, I mean, obviously the instability, to me it makes sense that like, oh gosh, like of everything that you already shared about your, your upbringing from, yeah. from childbirth, let's say to six years old. Yeah. Um, was that the, the anxiety that was coming up in terms of the headaches, the, the stomach aches, the, at school, or was there anything about school specifically that was creating anxiety were you just in a constant state of anxiety it was fear? constant man you know uh growing up, growing up with grandma and grandpa we used to pray the rosary every night so i was a kid that grew up around god and didn't really understand it mm -hmm. uh but i would still pray mm -hmm. and i would i was anxious <laughs> very very anxious until i was in my mid-20s probably early 20s mm -hmm. so uh I used to sit on my knees as a, a very small child and pray, why do I have to feel like this? Why can't I just play like the other kids? Mm -hmm. One of the later on real realizations in a, uh, like a positive note is that when you panic like that as a very small child, did I have friends? Yes, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't know how to interact the way I, I feel like a lot of kids could like they, they would go to lunch and they could eat fruit snacks and juice and have caffeinated beverages and play on the playground without uh passing out or like i would i would literally get so anxious that i would gag or puke or literally pass out and uh i didn't understand it i couldn't get it and it was very very difficult as a kid mm -hmm. and i would watch them play football or play basketball or do do anything anyways uh when when you're forced to watch the world from a distance uh, it gives you a different perspective, right? Yeah. And later on in life, and we'll get, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get there eventually, but you get to a point where, like now, where I can, I can play basketball, I can do jujitsu, I can travel, I can eat whatever I, you know, basically whatever I want. I can live a full and, and, and beautiful life, but to appreciate those little things, like being able to take a full breath, or like being able to sit with somebody that, you know, you just met and have a deep conversation mm -hmm. or really anything. Just regular life that people take for granted, you know, being able to to be in any kind of social situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Again, looking back on it, having gotten to, you know, this side of things, looking back at your childhood and how you were when you were 8 and 10 and 12 and 14 and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, especially mm -hmm. now seeing your kids at that age. Um and seeing how they live their lives. Yeah. Again, what do you feel like you were, what were you so scared of? Or what, what was, was it anything in particular or was it just life? Did you just constantly just not feel safe? I never felt like I always had a nasty feeling in the pit of my stomach. You know, I don't know that I ever knew what it was. There was, there was never 
unless I was sleeping, there was never a moment where I didn't feel anxious for the longest time, man. It was bad. Like, it was bad. And kind of like I told you when we sat down not too long ago, I haven't met anybody that's dealt with anxiety on those levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, if people are out there and they are, I would love to do anything I can to sit down and to, you know, just listen to them and hopefully be able to help or walk them through some of that mm-hmm. and let them know they're not alone. Well, and it's not, yeah, and it's not to be ashamed of. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's a lot absolutely, of shame that man. Along with it, because you feel like you're outcasted, maybe. You really do. You really do. You know, and I guess fast forward a few years, uh, one of my kind of life changing moments. Uh, I was 15. It was on my 15th, turning in 16th birthday. Hmm. Um, we don't have to get into it today, but I, there was an accident and. Uh, I ended up in the back of an ambulance. My heart stopped for two and a half minutes and I had to be revived. And anyways, I woke up a few days later in the hospital and, uh, having an event like that change, uh, once again, it changes the way you look at the world, you know, your ability to walk, to talk, to breathe, to have friends, to see the sunshine and, you know, hike and all the things that we enjoy, or even just the little, you know, things that people maybe take for granted. That was a big moment for me. Still anxious, but I would say that my anxiety was a little different from that point forward. Improved or just different? Improved for a season. For a season. Yeah. Just because you had the perspective of like being grateful now yeah. for yeah. the breath no matter how much. R- really. Or Relationships. My, my mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, no matter what had happened before, it didn't matter. It's like, hey, I have these people. I appreciate them. I love them. The time that we do get is awesome, you know, that kind of stuff. So you say it was a catalyst for progress. It really it was, was. It really was. Didn't and get I know, you there, but at least it started to show you that it's possible to definitely chip it away at it. Make some and progress. I think a lot of it too is a lot of what uh, you know. When I talk to people, I do some coaching. When I talk to people about what they're dealing with in their life, it's gratitude, man. Right? Mm-hmm. No matter how big or small it is, it's just learning to recognize the things that. You know, things that you are thankful for uh, in your life. I I actually do a a gratitude list at 6 in the morning and at 9 o'clock at night, every single morning and night. Mm -hmm. I do it with my kiddos or whoever I'm sitting with. Like, if we're hanging out tonight at 9 o'clock, we'll do the gratitude list. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Really, really cool. So then, as you continue to fast forward, so that was 15, but then anything significant occur between 15 and you got married pretty young. I did. I got married, uh, at 20, 21 ish, something like that. Um, you know, I would say significant. I would always try and force myself into situations. I'm pretty stubborn. Yeah. So even if I was panicky, for example, wrestling, I found that there were zones I could find myself in where I could finally release some of that feeling. But during tournaments, for example, I'm not joking, I would wrestle through entire tournaments gagging while I'm beating my opponent or while we're wrestling a full-out match. And the coaches and the guys used to laugh at me because, like, here he goes. I was a decent wrestler, but, like, imagine having to think on your feet, having to move at top speed, strength, all of those things while you're gagging, while you're panicking. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, but again, putting myself in situations that were uncomfortable and it sounds weird, right? What a weird story. Like, I don't know if, uh, hopefully it's helpful to somebody, but it was so, so uncomfortable. 
Um, but yeah, fast forward a few years. Um, you know, again, I had put myself actually uh, senior year of school uh, of high school. I had decided that everybody started talking about college, right? This is what my next step is. And I always used to think, man, we're 17, 18 years old. How does everybody know what they want to do with their life? <laughs> That's what I thought too. I'm like, I don't know at all. Yeah. Yeah. How do they know? Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, this is what everybody's doing. Maybe I need to go to college. And I hadn't really paid attention in school, got into some of the wrong crowds just because then I didn't have to. And there was a lot of avoidance too. And I would say avoidance is definitely, if you want to get over or address your anxiety, you got to go head on with a lot of this stuff. Um, anyways, senior year, um, I sat down with another guidance counselor and I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to go to college. You know, what is it going to take? And I said, I buckled down over the last, you know, this year I'm on the A honor roll. I've never done that before in my life. And she said, Dom, that that's exactly right. You've never done it before. And I said, but yeah, but I showed that I'm capable of doing it. She said, it doesn't matter. Your grades aren't, or they weren't where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. So she said, why don't you get into the trades or something like that? You know, and I'm all right, whatever. So I ended up getting into construction which uh, I sat on the side of construction crews cutting wood for years and years. And honestly, it wasn't good for me. Again, I w it was a comfort zone right. where I didn't have to stretch myself or didn't have to do any of those types of things. Safe somewhat. Safe, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just through day-to-day -day life, uh, ended up meeting my wife uh, while I was shopping for a suit. I've always tried to pursue business is as crazy as that sounds even though having uh terrible horrible anxiety uh i was always going after some venture didn't know what it was going to be pray about it every night god whatever it's going to be just show me i'll do it i'll run with it just show me something and i'll take it and uh ended up uh meeting her at the suit department of a marshall fields and bought my first suit from her it took me two hours to get her phone number and uh but really at that point in my life wasn't going out to eat, wasn't even barely going to the grocery store for shopping. Like I would wait in hours where it wasn't busy, like just avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. So my businesses, of course, were failing. Everything was failing because I wasn't willing to go head on in these things. Um, and it kind of came to, uh, Sarah and I was my wife's name. And uh, it came to a point where I was just living every day, going to the job site, cutting wood, going home, going to the job site, cutting wood, going home. And I don't tell people this part of the story very often, but I might as well just tell you the truth. Uh, at, at work one day after a, two years of this kid talking down to me at, on the job site, I couldn't take it anymore. And he talked down to me for the last time and uh, we ended up getting in a fight and I'm, I'm not, I've never in my life have I ever started a fight <laughs> to this day. Never. And uh, I ended up getting fired yeah. and ended up going home. And right around that time was when the 2007-2008 uh, mess happened. Yep. And uh, I, I, I just got in the paper right away, started looking for work, and just couldn't find anything. Right In Minnesota, houses were going up, or I should say foreclosing, by the thousands, tens of thousands. There were people losing their houses everywhere. Everybody in our neighborhood around us lost their house. As far as my experience was construction, right? So I couldn't get a construction job. Uh, ended up being in the house for a while and just started getting comfortable being in the house. I tried like trading Forex and whatever I could do from home in the, in the, uh, on my computer and just couldn't figure anything out. Months started passing and, you know, Sarah and I started arguing and fighting, of course. And 
my anxiety kept getting worse and worse and worse. And what ended up happening was one morning we woke up and we talked and we said, you know, this just isn't working. And I told her, I don't want you to live a life like this. And I don't want to live a life like this. So we thought about maybe getting a divorce at that point. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding, man. The very next day she woke up and came to me and she said, I'm pregnant. (laughs) And, uh, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Okay. So I just, I'm like, I got to figure this out within three weeks. Uh, she was driving home, called me. She's, she's a pretty tough gal, not a crier. She called me and she said, uh, you're never going to believe what happened at work. And I said, what are you okay? Like, is everything all right? She said, no, not everything's not all right. She said, the owners of the company died in a plane crash today and they're downsizing the company. They sent me home. She's like, we're in this recession. You're out of work. You can't find work. You can't even really leave the house because of your anxiety. We got a baby on the way. We have no money. Bills are piling up. What are we going to do? And like, if you're anxious before all that, when that does hit, it's a, it's a level of anxiety that I've never felt in my life before. Right. right. But yeah, go ahead. And you telling me the story before, and maybe this is at that time or maybe it was later, but you said at one point you hadn't left the house and it was about 11 months, been months. You hadn't left the house. It's kind of big in COVID, but not, not being, yeah. Yeah. But then you said you wouldn't even times you wouldn't even get out of bed. Right. Uh, you know what? I, it was very difficult. Yeah. It was very, very difficult time. You just weren't leaving your house. I wasn't leaving the house. Nope. No, and it was uh, it was as dark of a time as I've ever been in in my life. Can't imagine. And uh, again, just an- even anxious in my own house, man. Yeah, but I got that phone call on the way home, and I'll tell you, man, as anxious as I was, uh, I felt this fire, right? Like I've never felt before. I've never felt before, and it sounds maybe like a cliche or whatever, but uh, I grew up with not having a dad. I grew up with no steady home. I grew up with no food. I grew up with all this mess. And all I could picture in my head was my son coming into this world with that same situation. And I'm like, no, not happening. And she got home that night, and I said, we're going to figure this out. And for the next three-ish months, uh, maybe three to six months, we would slowly leave the house every day, as, as little as getting out on the front step. Yeah. And panicking and running back in the house. Then getting to the end of the driveway and panicking and going back in the house. Then getting in the car and driving maybe to the end of the block and panicking and then driving back. And she would sit with me like an angel for three months and she'd hold my hand and she'd say, it's all right, we can do this, we can do this. And it finally got to the point where we would get to the grocery store parking lot and we would sit out there and I'd be sweating and gagging and just bad, bad, bad. It was awful. Panicking, bad. Sometimes passing out. And it got to the point where, again, you know, some days we'd make it into the grocery store a little bit, back out to the car, make it to the checkout lane, back out to the car, right? This was a progression over the course of months. And finally, it's like, okay, baby's getting close. We don't have any more time. We have zero money. What are we going to do? And again, looking in the ads, not finding much. And uh, again, months down the road after continuing to get out there and progress little by little by little scraping by, right? Like, it was all horrible. It was awful. Uh, I found an ad in the paper, two ads, actually. One of them uh, was for a lead manufacturing plant in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Went and did the interview. It was $17 an hour. It was full benefits. It was 40 hours a week. It was everything that I was looking for at that time, right? But I had to waive my health. 
rights because lead is very, very toxic. Mm-hmm. Second ad was make $7,258 a week. Right. And, uh, you know, I, went, I ended up going to that interview. And uh, it was a roofing sales position, 100% commission. Mm-hmm. Never sold anything in my life, right? Yeah. Could yeah. barely even leave the house. Right. I ended up going to the interview for whatever reason and panicked my way through the interview and left and went home and sat down with Sarah. And I said, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back in and went through what they call training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one hour of them doing a real brief, like, powwow, like, rah-rah type meeting. Yeah. They yeah. threw some folders on the table, and they said, go get it, man. Yeah. If you're back tomorrow, you're, you know, if you're back at the end of the week, you're still in. Yeah. Yeah. What ended up happening was I, dr- I took our last $75, and I drove from our house, and I stayed in town, and I slept in my car that week. And... In terror, I would knock on people's doors, and sometimes before they would answer the door, I'd run, and I'd go b- behind my car, and I'd throw up. And then I'd go back to the door and say, oh, I'm sorry, I-, I had to go get that call or something like that. Or, oh, I forgot something at my car, and I'd always make silly excuses. Mm-hmm. But I would talk to them, and uh, when I would get indoors to make the sale, if you can imagine, people with anxiety will understand this, being stuck in a situation where you have to sign a contract, you have to explain things, you have to make a call, you have to. there's all these different processes with selling this yeah. product. I was in and out of these houses, throwing up in their bushes and uh, you know, hiding behind my car, like trying, trying to take deep breaths. Anyways, that week, I slept in my car all week, and I couldn't afford to drive home. Right. And I ate crackers at the gas station out of the, you know, the free, like the hot dog section. Mm-hmm. I washed up at the gas station. It was August, so it was like a million degrees out, sweaty, gross. And, but at the end of that week, I had sold a deal every single day. That's awesome. And uh, by the end of the week, I was their top sales guy. <laughs> yeah, you were. And, <laughs> and, Persistence. Oh, my goodness, man. But I weighed 103 pounds. Wow. Um, I went home on Sunday, and I had heat stroke because I wasn't eating. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't, like, taking, taking care, care of myself at all. But I couldn't force food down because I was so nervous. And uh, what ended up happening during that week, the craziest thing, I ran into a roofing project, and the guy said, uh, he was an older gentleman, he said, hey, my insurance company's coming out on Wednesday, would you meet with him? And I said, you know, if I don't know how to do something, generally I won't do it if I can't do a great job, or at least, you know, do you the, the proper service. And he said, no, you know, I don't mind. I'm 80-something. I just don't trust these guys. Please meet with them. Yeah. And ended up meeting with the insurance company, and the guy didn't even get out of his truck, and he pointed at the roof, and he said, I'm buying that thing. And I'm like, well, do you mind if I ask why? And he said, yeah. He said, it's part of a class action lawsuit. It's a discontinued product, and even if it had one little tiny bit of damage on it, I got to pay for it. And the light bulb went off in my head. And within six months, I had started my own company mm-hmm. and went statewide and started uh targeting specifically class action lawsuit products. So in a recession where nobody had money, people are losing their jobs, their 401ks, their homes, their everything, I was able to find money for them, retrieve it, do the project, get paid, and build a multi-million dollar company out of that. So crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so cool. But what it took, (laughs) that sounds great, right? Like that's a, there was a lot that happened to go into that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. But like learning to delegate, right? Learning to be able to go into big meetings or learning to meet with boards. And as a, again, I was like 26 when this was all starting, 25, 24. Yeah. 
And uh, going from someone that can't leave their house yeah. to somebody that's now overseeing at our peak, 26 project managers, built a beautiful office. We were nationally ranked, been in a couple of magazines and stuff like that. Like, But I try to tell people all the time, I hear people speak, and that's one thing I learned was to protect and guard my words and what I believe about myself and what I'm willing to say Uh and I think that uh, there's so many little pieces of it. You know, medication wasn't something that ever worked for me. It actually made me feel worse. For some people, it works great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how much more depth you want me to get. There's a, obviously there's a lot more. No, you know, depth I think it's you know, and I'd like to keep getting into it a little bit more. But uh, that's such an amazing story. Just again to see uh, how much you've been through. Obviously to, to come this far but then you 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 had that big company mm. right yeah and then so what's transpired from that till now to now oh my goodness uh, so i built that company to again 26 project managers at our peak multiple millions of dollars people coming to me for answers which was you know i was always the little guy on the crew right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but always a humble you know, leader, always humble. You know, guys used to walk in my office to try to sell me materials or whatever. And they'd, say, they'd look at me and say, hey, is your, is your dad here? Or, is, yeah. you know, where's the owner? I'm like, yeah. oh, that's, that's me. Yeah. But uh, right around 2016, um, I had gotten actually uh, involved on the state level in Minnesota of the contracting business. Started an association with four other contractors. And there was just some things going on in our state that were not uh, consumer friendly, not contractor friendly. There was actually threatening to shut down our industry. Mm. Anyways, long story short, walked away from the industry in 2016. Uh, one of our goals was to travel the world as a family, you know, went to, I don't know how many different countries across the world, spent months in Asia and all of these things that, you know, again, anybody with any type of anxiety, social anxiety or, or any type airports and airplanes and any kind of situation where you're stuck like in the security lines and all of those things where I could never imagine years before getting to a point where it's like almost enjoyable I don't know this is no big deal by that point (laughs) no no I love the airport and you think you got to that point just through kind of pig-headed you know (laughs) discipline of just showing up every single day facing that fear over and over again yeah or was it like anything specific of working with someone or going through a, a mantra you know as it sounds or was there anything yeah like- so i've met with countless doctors psychologists business coaches life coaches you name it man right and i would say i grabbed something from everybody for mm-hmm. sure right you can always get little bits and pieces from everybody but the biggest piece is always uh, holding myself accountable right? Like if I say I'm going to do something, do it. If I'm feeling that feeling in my gut, but I know what I'm supposed to be doing is right, Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Just go into it. It might suck a little bit. It might be uncomfortable or very, very uncomfortable, but you're never upset or you're never, you know, the fact that I was able to get in and do those things, no matter how uh, basic the situation was or how big the situation was, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I was able to walk outside afterwards and say I did it mm-hmm. right and just little win by little win by little win and just time and I think that's one of the hardest things for people that was one of the hardest things I know for me is that this is not going to happen tomorrow mm-hmm. this is a journey 
and it's a process mm -hmm. and it's a, you know, there is maturity as a, as a person. There's just a lot of things learning to, uh, I, well, I'm trying to think, I was thinking about a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people were scared to feel emotions sometimes, mm -hmm. right? But really get into the depths of those emotions. Don't stew in it, right? right? But feel it long enough where it's like, okay, good enough. I'm done. Time to move on, right? But it's, it is important not to bottle those things up. And I think that was, for me, was what medication uh, was doing when I, when I was trying. It was making me feel almost a little bit numb. And the things that I felt like I needed to work through or needed to feel through, uh, I was just numbing that instead of addressing that. And I think at one point or another, you have to address those right. things. Right. Otherwise, it's always going to be that hurdle that's there. Of course, it's always going to be there, right? Yeah. So, And I'm just yapping away. I don't know if you... <laughs> no, I think it's, it's so fascinating, which is why I'm, I'm so kind of intrigued by the, the story. So you had your business for how long? The, the insurance? Uh, that was eight years. Eight years. Yep. Yeah. yep. And then you sold it off you you just got out of the yep got out got out of the 16. industry yep yep yeah. traveled the world uh started a couple other companies in the meantime did some coaching did some consulting things like yeah. that yeah. public speaking yeah. that was something that was very difficult you know anxiety is something where i had to rename it right it's okay to be nervous it doesn't mean it's the end of the world it doesn't mean i can't go into a situation it doesn't mean i can't address something nervous is okay right when you're speaking in front of 400 people, it's okay to be nervous. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I renamed anxiety. Uh, it's now excitement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because excitement and anxiety are very similar feelings mm -hmm. in a way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so when I go into something, rather than saying, oh, man, you know, I kind of got the jitters and you can feel the butterflies, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm jumping a little bit, shaking my hands out. Still feel that numb, tingly feeling, a little lump in your throat yeah. and the, the, the butterflies in your stomach. Sure. But you do it. Right. And I've never not gone out there, whether it's speaking in front of 10 people or 400 or whatever it was, right? 400 was my biggest room. So I'm not like a, you know, big speaker or anything like that. But, um, I mean, you're proud of yourself. Right. Feels good to right. face those things. Right. Yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, so I guess my thought goes to as well. I mean, you mentioned earlier, like, you go through seasons yeah. with anxiety yeah. so where it might get better and you think like oh I got this and then something really triggers and you're like oh I do not got this yeah. right yeah um, got this I have this so <laughs> you 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 know getting through the eight years of your business probably really forced you to like you said to delegate to, to lead and then would you find that you, your confidence would grow, but then you'd have to find yourself speaking in front of 400 people and then you'd get right back and you'd be puking in the bathroom again. Like, was <laughs> it, or would you see yourself kind of like, you know, incrementally making progress? Yeah. So two I, steps forward, one step back. It's been, I haven't had a full on panic attack. It's been almost a decade. Mm. So it's been uh, like, thank God, you know, but, but again, the work was put in. It didn't just happen. Right, right. It wasn't just like waking up one day and, oh, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It was a lot of work. Right. But I think the hardest things that we accomplish are always the things that are, you know, you're, you, you always feel good about them. It's always worth it. Right. Uh, I know what people, I, I actually, I train uh, one of my consulting projects right now. I'm building a sales team. And one of the questions I ask when we're done with training is what's a time in your life where you gave something, everything you have. Not like, you know, 
you ran a little bit or like you, you know, one, one, one time I went out and I sold this and I didn't, couldn't believe I did it. No, no, no. Everything. Mm-hmm. You emptied the tank. Mm-hmm. What's a time in your life where you gave everything mm-hmm. and people are half and half. Most, I should say half of the group say, man, you know what? I've never done it. Yeah. I've never given everything yeah. I had. Yeah. And I said, what would your life look like if you just gave a month, just give one month, everything all out, you know, push aside, your life will be okay for a month. I mean, obviously don't neglect your kids and that kind of stuff, but give it everything you got for a month. Mm -hmm. The guys that tend to get it or girls or women that tend to get it. So the 50% that don't have never tried it. They're generally in a place in life where they're always trying to figure things out. Why hasn't this worked? or haven't reached the levels of success that their people are always striving for on the other side of the fence. These are your top producers. These are your guys that are like army Rangers. And you know, the guys that have, they know what it feels like to not be able to take one more step, right. Or to uh, push themselves to a limit. Something happens. I believe in, in your brain, in your body, in your soul, when you find out what you're capable of and that, and it's never the end. Right. You might find your limit that day. Right. But there's tomorrow. <laughs> there's all. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's uh, I don't know. It's something. I think that's really cool. I think that is a, a huge point. I think at one point uh, in my early mid thirties, I was going through some personal development stuff in Los Angeles. And I think that was one of the biggest realizations. And we did this uh, exercise where, you know, ultimately like it's called like the lifeboat. Yeah. Right. And yeah. ten people out of the room of a hundred made it on the lifeboat. Okay. And I was the second to last one to quote unquote die oh, before man. getting on the lifeboat. Yeah. And to me I was like, How So close. Yeah, how pertinent is this to my experience of life? Yeah. And that's the whole thing, is like how you sh- how you play this weekend or how you play these games, even though we're in some random hotel room, is how you play the game of life. And yeah. it became so clear that I for me too, uh, I've been one of those 50% that had never really, really put myself fully into anything mm-hmm. at the time, you know? Yeah. And that really rocked me. Cause right. Like, no wonder I'm, I'm just that close. If I could have just done that, like, yeah. but it's so scary. It right? is. And there's, there's the, the fear and the anxiety that the, the trepidation that pulls you back from going all in. Because if you don't go all in for me, at least I could always rationalize that I didn't, I would always have kind of an excuse, mm-hmm. consciously or subconsciously. I could tell myself as to why I wasn't successful. Yeah. Well, honestly, I didn't try that hard. Anyways, right. You know, if I had really <laughs> tried, yeah, I could have gone D one. But you know what? Like, there's so many other things that are important to me. Right. Like, like my high school sweetheart. Like, okay, come on. But like, right. And now it's not that I necessarily regret, but it's like, okay, it's just how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. It's true. And so if you kind of half-ass a lot of things, that's how life shows up. So that yeah. that really resonates for me as well. Another thought I had too, as you were talking, I feel like, because um, I see it in myself, I see it in a lot of the guys that I work with, we just run patterns. Mm. It's like it's like uh, habitual patterns, right? Yeah. And so when they get depressed, when they get lonely, when they feel anxiety, like they, they have a pattern of focusing on the same thing and then stacking yeah. the, the heartache or the failures or like I'm not good enough. Right. Do you... <laughs> Did you ever recognize or like a pattern that you go into that was just absolutely clockwork? absolutely? What were you focusing on then, and what was it that like drove the anxiety, and made it worse and worse and worse? I, again, I think a lot of people with anxiety can relate. Where you're taking yourself out of the game before the game's even being played. Yeah, you got that story running in your head before yeah. I'm going 
on the wrestling mat or before I'm going into the meeting or right. before I'm getting up on stage to speak, I'm visualizing myself failing in some way, shape, or form or what I visualize as a failure. Really, as long as you're doing it and, and depending on how you see it, it's not necessarily – even if I got up on stage and I puked my guts out and passed out in front of everybody mm-hmm. – I can see that in one way or another, right? I can see that as a failure or I can see that as, listen, I got up on the stage. I made it all the way. It wasn't easy just to get right there. That's a step. Yeah. That's a success. Yeah. So it's setting yourself up for success or failure in your mind before you get out there. One thing that's, uh, and I, I guess I didn't bring this up earlier, but that's one place where meditation and prayer has really been big for me mm. is to silence and calm your mind. Yeah. Um, it is. I, I do believe it's almost like working out like a muscle. For sure. And learning to silence that little voice that wants to pick at you before you get in there and wants to tell you everything that could possibly go wrong when most of the time none of that stuff goes wrong, right? right? right. But for whatever reason, we need to convince ourselves that it's a, a very real possibility. Well, it doesn't go so. wrong, and yet because we don't go all in, yeah, then that's still – and you don't get the results that you ultimately want. Yeah. It still supports that story of not being good enough and yeah not being lovable or whatever our story is right you know right right what do you have an idea of what your story was that you would kind of go into was it oh um, man you know did it go back to like mom and dad did it go back to like not being loved or not being a lot of the safe? the life coaches or people that i would talk to they would bring that up a lot you know my, my childhood that was a big piece that everybody brought up they're like yeah. oh this is energy that needs to be released or this is something that needs to be addressed in one way or another so i definitely do feel like it played a part for sure mm-hmm. um but again you know allowing yourself that was something that maybe this is your your point right here i wasn't allowing myself to feel it and that energy that was being stuck and knotted up and pushed down into this little ball of, you know, is a mess, man, honestly. So I get the, I'm mean, going to still, to stay kind of feel like I get the sense that you're kind of like, maybe, maybe, and I don't fully understand because I don't know you well enough, but like, is it, because uh, when I say, was it having to do with your childhood? And you're like, maybe a little bit. Yeah. And then when you tell your childhood, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So why is it that you still kind of like, is it, yeah. is it like you're trying to be, I mean, you are humble. But, like, most people, and I think you can look at it, especially compared to your kids now, like, your childhood was scary. Big difference, man. And, yeah. you know, to, to be so – I mean, you didn't you didn't know where you would be staying. It sounded like you didn't have food a lot mm-hmm. of times. You didn't have the security and the safety of, like, mom or dad loving on you and stability in that sense. Like, why do you feel like you, if you don't mind me asking, kind of like, eh, like shy away from thinking that your childhood a good is question. a big part of it. You know, I don't know. Because it definitely has shaped me a lot, right? But again, like, I guess as a kid, I was a pretty happy kid. Yeah. Uh, and I look back, and a lot of people say that. They say, Dom, you know, your childhood wasn't real yeah. great. Like, there's a lot of stuff that maybe wasn't the best. And again, my folks were not individually were very nice to me. They were yeah. horrible to each other. <laughs> and watching that was not fun, but like... I didn't know, you know, other kids had a full refrigerator every day at five or six years old, right? You just don't know that, right? I had dirt and I had a backyard. Like, I was happy. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But, no, you're probably right. There's there's definitely some some still in there uh, that I still maybe need to address or something like that, but. What I do recognize, though, I feel like there's, there's an element of that I can see with you. It's like, yeah, it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination yeah 
But if you do and ultimately give too much power to your childhood, you yeah. become the victim to it. Absolutely. Like, oh, my childhood is horrible. And that's why I'm so broken. Where you're right. kind of like, yeah, the childhood sucked. And yet there are times that I was happy. There's times that I had anxiety. I can see where it stemmed out of. But it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're just kind of owning. It sucked. Yes, at times. Other times it was great. But I didn't really know anything better. Different. Right. I think it probably the anxiety sounds like really started to probably kick in when you started comparing yourself to the other kids you think a lot more yeah but i do remember better they no. go to school and yeah. interesting like they like you said they can play sports they can they can do homework they can yeah. play their instruments without yeah. like having these like gagging or throwing up yeah right they're not always sick not always going yeah to the nurse right do you yeah think that, i yeah that role at all? no i think that's a great call and, and uh that does make sense but yeah yeah that is interesting it's an interesting thought because I, I feel like otherwise it's just your. I mean, if you were growing up on a on an island, you wouldn't know any different. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have any anxiety so much because it just was the way that. Right. Just in the same way that people. I mean, we we are so blessed in this country. Yeah. And yet we kind of don't know how blessed we are until we go travel the world. Yeah. And you go around Asia and you're like, oh shit, you know, <laughs> or India, or wherever, yeah. right? Yeah. But then it's it's very easy to still come back here and then we get right back into our shit of like how horrible our lives are. Oh man, right? yeah, yeah. I, so I, I spent just uh, like the, the comparison at all, but you know, I've, I've addressed a lot of this stuff over time, and again, it's been ten years since yeah. I've had a panic attack or really a serious situation like this. And again, I, don't get me wrong, I feel nervous in situations. I get excited, I get human, yeah. sad, happy, mad, whatever. Like we all yeah. experience emotions. Yeah. But like, I don't like to give power to those things too much especially yeah. when it's not due or when it's been addressed and it's like all right like you said uh, you know this did happen absolutely yeah. i think i learned a lot from it i think i gained a lot from it it did hurt me for a season yeah but i was able to address those things to to walk through it it was not an easy path right yeah. but like to come out on the other side and say okay i'm i'm done with that i'm good yeah and that's kind of why what, what i think i was getting to too is just I think maybe you, it's not so much a big deal anymore because it doesn't have a whole lot of energy yeah. for you in yeah. childhood. Maybe yeah. it did. Well, I mean, yeah. it did. But now that you've kind of worked through it, you're like, yeah. So you've moved on to that's that's how you can kind of maybe tell that you are free from it. Yeah. Because you can talk about it and not feel a ton of energy. Man, it almost is still weird to talk about it some days yeah. where it's like, oh, that was your life. Yeah. It makes me stop in my steps or my tracks sometimes and think, wow, you know. The sunset is beautiful. The people are beautiful. I yeah. say hi to everybody, right? Like, yeah. I love people. I love, like, it's it, it, it's in a, a different kind of appreciation. Yeah. 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 How have you taken what you've learned and through your through your life experience and passed it along to your kids in a meaningful way? Yeah. So we've actually, uh, we wrote a book together, which was it? really fun. Yeah. It hasn't been published yet, but we wrote a book together. I What's, read it. Uh, it's called The Four Jars. Four Jars. Yeah. Explain yeah. what the concept is about. Uh, so this one is going to – uh, <coughs> all right, I'll explain the book first. Uh, anyways, when they were real little, we were at uh, Target one day, and my son wanted me to buy him a $150, uh, $150 dinosaur robot. Yeah. And he was like six. And I'm like, buddy, you're going to play with that for like two days, yeah, exactly. and it's going to be in the corner. Yeah. And, oh, no, no, I want, I want this robot. And uh, I said, all right, if you want the robot – then you're going to have to buy it. And he, of course, well, I don't have the money and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. If you want it, you can, you will buy it. And we just kept moving. And uh, we got into the truck after shopping 
and he was quiet. And he's a little kid. He's not a quiet kid. He generally is a talker. And he said, Dad, how do six-year-olds make money? And uh, I said, well, that's a good question, bud. (laughs) We haven't thought about that one yet. Yeah, and we're driving home. trying to get out of the store. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're driving home, and, and I said, what's something you really love? What's something you really like? And he's like, I like robots. I'm like, okay. And uh, I said, well, you're going to have to learn how to. And we basically went into entrepreneurship 101 with this little guy and basically showed him how to, at six years old, create a business where by the time he was seven, he was making anywhere from $150 to $250 a day Mm -hmm. as a Mm seven-year-old. And it's a really fun story of then my daughter got involved as she got a little bit older and he never bought the dinosaur robot. (laughs) But he would have piles of cash sticking in his little seven-year-old jeans. And wherever we would go, he would buy whatever he wanted, which became a problem. So then we had to create these jars. Give, save, spend, invest. And from a very young age, we taught him how to properly delegate and and place his income so he wasn't just buying everything he wanted. It it just wasn't good in the beginning. But it's a very fun story of all the little lessons learned from that. I love that. but honestly, the kiddos, I worry about that a little bit, too, is uh, they've had a really easy life, man. Not much pushback, not much real difficulty. And I've seen people in my life, friends, uh, acquaintances, that grew up real easy lives that hit the first wall. And they're like, whoa, what is this? What do I – they don't even know how to <clears> – <throat> how to deal yeah so i worry about that with the kiddos sometimes but how do you create problems you know i don't want to create problems but so anyways it was like yeah not problems but um resistance or just like things that they can work through to improve their self-esteem yeah yeah to feel in their sense of pride like oh i did earn this and i did this was challenging and um i think that's a big part of raising a son too you absolutely know, there's a there's a part of uh a girl becoming a woman that the guys can't teach you know mom yeah. has to see you know or some, some other Definitely. woman right yeah guys can't teach a little girl how to be a woman but they can certainly be taught a lot by you know how they should be treated by a man yeah you know absolutely <clears throat> but i do feel like a big part of raising a son would be that like rite of passage of getting him to that when shit hits the fan he still rises to the occasion yeah you know? yeah that that little guy is very resilient, um, and I don't know how this all works, or again how transparent I should be, but you know, after almost twenty years together, we're going through a divorce right now. So I don't know if this is part that we should sure. even get it's into, great, but great. I mean, it's real, right? It is very real, yeah. and this is probably the most difficult thing, definitely the most difficult thing they've ever been through. For sure, and uh, I can definitely see a lot of the lessons, a lot of the time spent. Uh, a lot of the example that has been set along the way starting to show in the depths of this. Yeah. And uh, I've seen strength in my son that is, makes me feel, I don't know, makes me feel good, man. It's not a, it's hard to watch, right? But at the same time, you see a 13 year old kid digging deep and not crumbling, right? Mm -hmm showing the right emotion knowing it's okay to cry and knowing it's okay to feel this or feel that but like at the same time you know still having that strength and that confidence and a good sense of you know for a 13 year old who he is mm-hmm. which nobody knows who they are at 13 right. but right but still holding pretty true he's a good kid it's pretty cool yeah well, it's, it's it's interesting to see that it was 
his conception that kind of helped yeah. spur you out of yeah i mean you had i mean talk about it, you had been through a shit ton of challenging things and you may not have ever left the house or maybe not have made it out of that dark because i think there's a lot of people that probably would choose ending their life than pushing through that yeah. challenge so it's yeah. his life that kind of breathed life into yours absolutely right but here's yeah. another transition in life um that you wouldn't want to you know wish it upon any of any any children for that matter but right he and your your daughter's going to be better off for it i know it especially with yeah. the support of you and your your wife you know yeah yeah and as hard as it's been i mean there's definitely everything has a has a bright side yeah. to it right yeah i've oh my goodness i've learned so much about myself about my friends about my support system about uh my ex about of course the kiddos yeah. and i mean it's a uh, it's not fun, but it's a, if you have the right mindset going into just about anything, I mean, you can make it through and be better because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess there, uh, I didn't want there to be a season in this situation, but it ended up being a season and it is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. And like, again, I, uh, you know, I've been through similar yeah. divorce as well. And I yeah. think that, uh, you come to learn so much about yourself in your twenties and your thirties. Oh yeah. So to think that you can get married young and make it through, you know, uh, yeah. while still staying in, you know, kind of parallel tracks growing together. Yeah. Yeah. Or growing, growing closer towards God together is a, a, a big ask. It's not Huge. impossible, but man, you need like mentorship and support from family and church and, you know, yeah. all these other things that, you know, I think if you don't have, it can be awfully difficult. Oh yeah. Know? Oh yeah. And you can have one person who wants to, keep working on it another person who's out and you can't do anything about it right right you're gonna have two people that naturally just want to go their separate ways but you have to regardless do the best you can obviously for the kids 100 percent. you know yeah it probably will be one of the greatest things that well it can they can choose it to be yeah one of the greatest things that cultivates in them strength and right through adversity and everything else yeah absolutely the bright side of it yeah yeah for sure no i mean our relationships uh have grown in ways and have uh, have uh, I don't know if well, I don't know the right word that have been tested yeah. in ways, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean all these things are good. It's just uh, it's being in the mess right now that's difficult, but yeah. knowing that there's always something good on the other side. Right. It's just getting through that. You just you don't know how long that little season's gonna last. Yeah, there's always gonna oh. be a winter after the yeah. harvest of the fall. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, it's just funny how life does that and you see it in just aging you know yeah you see it in, yeah you know politics and in wall street and relationships and your own health you know it's like you start to feel like you're doing great and then you get injured it's like right you're doing great in business and then something it's like that's just how life is it's true uh i grew up always hearing the, the whole the saying that like trials are proofs of god's care like those trials are there yeah so that you can get through them and then to, to just prove even deeper that God's there for you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, I, I so appreciate true. you being on the podcast, sharing your story. It's, it's absolutely a crazy story. I think <laughs> I hope if anyone's listening to this, and it either it deals with anxiety themselves or knows of someone who's dealing with it, hopefully you can share this with them because I think it, it can sh- give them uh, proof and hope that it's possible to work through it. Absolutely. Even if it's as debilitating as you're talking about, where you're running out to the car to throw up every 10 minutes just yeah. to sail. <laughs> yeah 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 
man. And, and for the guys or people, women, anybody that's dealing with this, it's not, uh, it seems real deep or real dark when you're in it, yeah. but it's not the end. There, there's a reason for it, and I know we all kind of – a lot of ang- anxious people are very deep thinkers, I find. Uh, but, shoot, if there's any way I can help, I know I would love to help anybody that, that needs it. That's what I was going to ask you. How yeah. do people get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out? And- um, how do you generally have people get in touch? I mean – Just pager. <laughs> pager. <laughs> yeah. Snail mail. <laughs> yep. Email I- or uh, – Social media, they can always DM. Yeah, you, yeah. If you're on social media, funny enough, I'm like one of old school, no social media guys. No, there's so. I think more and more people go on social, you know, old school because it's ridiculous right now. But yeah, um, however you feel comfortable, or they can, okay. you know, if you if I can, you can always email me. Yeah, podcast at johnnyking.com, and I there can you always go. forward it on to Dom um, if that works for you. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, if you if you need any support with just getting over. Um, anxiety and fear no matter how big or small you feel like it is man like reach out because there's people like us that are here to support you and you're not alone in that sense 100 percent, yeah um, absolutely but anyways man thank you for cool. being here you got so it so appreciate it guys uh thank you so much for listening and, and tuning into this episode i look forward to catching up with you on the next episode but until then have an amazing rest of your day and week take care And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback, and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.